It's the story of two brothers, the story of two nations, the story of blessings and cursings. It's the book of Obadiah. Stay with us tonight. Hey, on behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins and the Master's House, thank you for joining us for our Bible study tonight. We are so looking forward to continuing our study on the Minor Prophets, and we have our special guests here. We have our youth director, Corey, and our special guest, Madison. So we're super excited about tonight what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so we're going to, before we get into the Bible study, we always like to go before the Lord in prayer and asking God's blessing upon our Bible study. We had a very special prayer request already come in tonight. And so God knows what that special request is. And we're just going to believe that God's going to minister into this life. You know, you're, you may have a special request. They may not have to do with what we're talking about in Bible study or anything like that. Send us those requests. God is a loving and a caring and a gentle God, and He will minister in your lives, and we're more than happy to lift up your needs before the Lord. So we're going to go before the Lord tonight on behalf of this special request, on behalf of your special needs tonight, and also for this Bible study. Madison, would you take us before the Lord? Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for all that you've done for us, and thank you for always keeping us in your hand. Lord, touch the pastor and Sister Christy. Lord, give them strength. Lord, help this Bible study reach out and touch the people and help us all learn something new and lord help everybody's needs in jesus name we pray amen amen so like i said we're continuing our bible study of the minor prophets and tonight we're going to be looking at obadiah yeah it's crazy to think that this is the shortest book in the old testament with only 21 verses it's true the bible really doesn't give us a much information about him at all um but we do know that his name means servant or worshiper of yahweh and there's also a discrepancy of like where he actually fits into the timeline and, and his prophecies there's there's those that think it was around uh, 850 bc ish and there's also another group that believes that it was actually around 586 bc which is around the fall of jerusalem and uh but let's pull up our timeline and take a look at what we have. Yeah, and you can see from the timeline, uh, the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, of course, no longer exists. They were taken captive by the Assyrians, and the southern kingdom of Judah has just fallen to the Babylon king Nebuchadnezzar at this point. And this makes Obadiah's contemporaries, Jeremiah, and those already in captivity, Daniel and Ezekiel. So it is kind of interesting, you know, that... Uh, a large portion of Obadiah's prophecy can actually be found in Jeremiah, the 49th chapter. And, but we're going to be talking about the book of Obadiah tonight. And this is actually a prophecy uh, directed towards the nation of Edom. So before, you know, you might be thinking, well, Edom, what's that? Who's that? Where's that? So before we get into heavily into Obadiah, I think we should maybe cover some background and maybe answer that question. You know, it's a simple question, but who is Edom? Well, in Genesis, the 36th chapter in the first verse, it says, Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. So now when you hear the name Esau, it's hard not to immediately think of Jacob and Esau, because one is rarely mentioned without the other. And that makes sense because Jacob and Esau were twin brothers born to Isaac. And their story is one that is taught and preached about a lot. But when Genesis 25 makes a special mention of the fact that Esau was born before Jacob, it only just a few moments, 
the Bible says Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel. It's true. So yeah, so as he was born, he actually had a hold of that heel. So yes, he was first, but he was literally on his heels. I don't know if that's where that term comes from, but I'd like to think it does. <laughs> um, Genesis 25 also makes a special point to note that even though they were twin brothers, that there was differences in them. They were different people. So uh, Genesis 25 and 27 says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. So these differences, coupled with the fact that Esau was the firstborn, they actually set the stage for these two twin brothers to begin to clash with one another. Well, and Madison mentioned Esau was born first, which meant that he would be entitled to the blessing of Isaac, the blessing of the firstborn. And so that famous story goes that we all are familiar about is Esau's out hunting, he's famished, he's super starving. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been super starving as Esau was super starving here. There's Jacob by the campfire, simmering a pot of beans, right? Mm -hmm. And here's Esau super starting. Hey, let me have some of those beans. And Jacob says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some beans as long as you uh, give me this entitlement or this birthright or the blessing of the firstborn. Well, Esau's so famished, he, he actually agrees to it. In Genesis, the 25th chapter and the 34th verse, it says, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Yeah, now that... Jacob had bartered the birthright from Esau, he had to go and get the blessing from his father Isaac. So Jacob disguised himself to feel and smell like his brother, and Isaac bestowed his blessing on Jacob. And so Jacob is blessed with the bounty from the Lord and is made the head of his father's household and his siblings and is favored by the Lord. So we have to keep in mind that the birthright has both physical and spiritual connotations. The physical aspect, I mean, simply put, all of Isaac's possessions would be split into three parts in which the bearer of the birthright, in this case would be Jacob, would receive two of those three portions and Esau would just receive one. And as mentioned, Jacob would also become the head of the family, the entire family. So this headship would now rest upon Jacob. And as we were kind of talking about Jacob grabbing a hold of Esau's heel because he wanted the birthright. He wanted to be the firstborn. Even in the womb, he was like trying to pull Esau back so that he could be first because this was his, his want and his desire, even, even in the womb, which is kind of interesting for us to try and think about. So, but the spiritual implication of this particular blessing carries with it the Abrahamic covenant and the blessing from God to be God's people. So when Isaac bestowed this blessing upon Jacob, that was it. Uh, there was no going back, both spiritually and physically, this blessing belonged to Jacob. And right after this had been bestowed on Jacob, here comes Esau. And uh, he shows up and he's asking Isaac, and he's like, hey, I'm ready for my blessing. And fairly quickly, they both realized what Jacob had done. And so Esau's just distraught and hey don't you have anything for me don't you have any blessing and Isaac tells him uh, in Genesis 27 and 40 and by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck 
this makes Esau, this, this particular moment here makes Esau hate his brother. And he even intends in his heart to kill him once his father has died. So then we have Jacob wanting to flee for his life. And he does this under the skies of pursuing, pursuing, in the pursuit of a wife, in which uh, he ends up with two and a couple of handmaidens, mm-hmm. and uh, something like 20 plus years pass, and Jacob has gone, and now he's returning home, and Esau has coming out to meet him, and Jacob's beginning to fear for his life that, you know, he's gonna kill him. And all of a sudden, Esau actually runs up and greets him with love. Yeah, now it appears that the brothers were reconciled. They could be one family again, but not for long. Between the two of them and their households, they had so many cattle that they could not live in the same place. And I don't know about anybody else, but I just love cattle, Um, which is crazy to think that you have to move because there literally literally isn't enough land um, to handle you and your brother's cows. Now that's a lot of cows. cows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Because Jacob is the head of the family. Esau has to move his family and the cows. And in Genesis 36, 8, it tells us that this is how Edom was formed. Now, if we skip forward in time several hundred years, uh, Edom actually ends up being one of the kingdoms that refused to let Moses and the Israelites, also known as the descendants of Jacob, Uh, passed through their land after they fled Egypt. So, uh, again, like Brother Thomas said before, the the Abrahamic blessing that was given, this is is what it did. So, you know, these were were Abraham's grandchildren. And so the the squabbling between two brothers has affected two whole nations. And it's gone on for hundreds of years. And so uh, the, the consequences of that rivalry has really stretched forth and will continue to do so for even longer. And if we were to go back and look at exactly the words that Isaac gave when he gave Esau the blessing, uh, we would see that these are actually being fulfilled now in the time of the kingdom where it's uh, David is now ruler of all Israel. And in Second Chronicles 18:13, It says, and he put a garrison in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. So Isaac prophesied that Esau would live by the sword, but he would serve his brother. And it is now being finally fulfilled in the scripture during the time of the kingdom. Yeah, and in the second part of Esau's blessing, where Isaac prophesied that one day Esau would have dominion and break free from Jacob's rule, that wouldn't be fulfilled until Jehoram became king in Judah. So to give you an idea here, Esau received the prophecy in Genesis 27, and then in 2 Chronicles 21, the Edomites revolted against Jehoram and were no longer under the rule of Jacob's descendants. So this, this whole stretch of time here, it essentially we have two brothers that have become two different nations and, and essentially they're just, they're in conflict with one another from the womb. From, and and it, that just pretty much sets the stage of the relationship and what we're going into the book of Obadiah. So let's focus now on Obadiah's prophecy with this background. And as you mentioned, uh, this prophecy is about Edom or Esau. 
and their treatment of Israel or Jacob. So the book can be broken down into basically three parts. You have the first part, you know, verses 1 through 9, which is going to be discussing uh, Edom's pride and also the judgment from the pride. Also, a second part, verses 10 through 15, where we're going to be looking at Edom and the way they treated Israel and also judgment upon them. And then also, verses 16 through 21, the third part is kind of the fulfillment of those prophecies and that judgment and also giving a promise of hope to Israel. So let's start this out and let's read this together beginning in the first verse in the book of Obadiah. The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye and let us arise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen, thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that said in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou shalt exalt thyself as the eagle, thou shalt set thy nest above the star, among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape-gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are the hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They eat thee, thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men of Edom, and understanding out of Mount Esau, O thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed in the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. So here we see in the scriptures, Edom is full of pride. And we know that the scripture says pride really goes before the fall, but I think we can take a look at these scriptures in Obadiah, and there are a few different aspects spoken about pride. Yeah, for example, verse 3 states that pride in your heart deceives you. So pride leads to, leads to self-deceit. So essentially you can think like, hey, I'm, I'm doing great and I'm, I'm okay, when in reality you're very much not. Yeah, and that deception, I think, binds you to your actions. And by binding you to your actions, I mean you're not seeing things as you actually are. You misinterpret the circumstance and act according to the false perception, and pride is only a reflection of self-love and self-promotion, which in turn leads to believing something that is untrue. When walking in deception of pride, with this inflated belief in yourself, it can lead to condescending attitude toward others, as we see between Edom and Israel. I, I like how you, how you said that, that Edom had this inflated view of themselves, and it, it did say in verse 2 that they're greatly despised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and pride makes you think that you are liked, that your achievements are great, that everything about you and the things you do are important. Edom thought they couldn't be touched because they built cities high in the rocks. The scripture says where the eagles fly, they thought who can bring us down. It's like you said previously, um, the pride goes before the fall. In Edom, with their lofty cities and, and their super wise thinking, they were brought down. So uh, essentially what we see here is that the nation that trusts in their own power, in their own finances, their own wisdom, their own self, 
then not God will be brought down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and with pride, we forget about humility. This is a character quality that greatly pleases God. A broken spirit and a contrite heart God will not despise. And in James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So the pride of Edom actually brought arrogance and it is reflected in their horrible treatment towards Israel and Judah. Yeah, and we see in the scripture, as we continue in verse 10, for thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even though west as one of them, but thou shouldst not looked on the day by thy brother in the day that he became a stranger, neither shouldst thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to those, to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. So in the scriptures you just read uh, here in this kind of second part of Obadiah, as, as Brother Thomas sort of broke out earlier, um, it really speaks to the strange relationship between uh, the two brothers slash nations, right? Um, Edom acts violently towards Judah when Jerusalem fell and they frequently participated with other nations that came and attacked Israel and Judah. They were actually rejoicing in Judah's defeat. Instead of helping their brother, they captured those who were trying to escape and turned them over to the Babylonians. So remember we talked earlier about that spiritual covenant uh, that spiritual blessing that, that gets passed on, that Abrahamic covenant that was passed on to Isaac and then to Jacob. Well, a part of that covenant promise, we can go back and read in Genesis, the 12th chapter, and the third verse says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So, and, and by this, Edom cursed the children of Israel. Therefore, they were cursed by God. So we see that that result here in Obadiah. But um, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll finish reading here from verse 16. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them, and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. 
And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. And the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Yeah, and you just read in Obadiah 18, there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. This is because of their pride and their treatment of Israel. In Jeremiah 27, 6, And now have I given all these lands unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him. Edom will be no more. Their land is given to Babylon. And Obadiah prophesies there is the promise of hope that Israel will be restored. They will reclaim all that land that was lost, and they will possess the lands of the surrounding nations, even that of the former nation of Edom. So this promise of restoration gives Israel hope, even though they're, you know, just have been taken captive by Babylon, by King Nebuchadnezzar, and also, you know, the Lord has a way of blessing his and cursing those that curse his. And so he, as you mentioned, gets rid of them. And there's, there's so many other things, so many other points that could be brought out. You know, we briefly examined what was going on here. You know, we spent a lot of time on the background um, because I think it sets the stage of what all of Obadiah is talking about, these, these two brothers that have become these two nations. And, you know, it's a reflection of their relationship that is being brought out here in the book of Obadiah. We see... Uh, the cursing, the promise of blessing. So what's our, what's our takeaway tonight? You know, our takeaway uh, tonight is, to me, basically it's a, an answer to that old question that was asked right at the beginning of the Word of God found in Genesis, and that was, am I my brother's keeper? Well, the answer is yes. And uh, I'm also to do that with humility of heart. And so that's a lesson that we can take away from this book of Obadiah and that we need to cherish those things that we have with God, cherish those relationships that we have with one another. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this Bible study tonight. We thank you so much for uh, visiting with us here and just hopefully something was said that ministered to your heart. Maybe you're having struggle with a relationship with your brother or your sister or a family member, you know, reach out to God and ask him to open up a door of opportunity so that there can be reconciliation and healing, true reconciliation and healing when we go to the Lord and we humble ourselves before him and let him minister into our hearts and let him minister into those situations. If you have a special prayer request, please send that to prayer at mastershouse.org and we'll certainly lift up that prayer request uh, before the Lord. Again, on behalf of our senior pastor, the Reverend Paul G. Kiggins, we thank you for tuning in tonight. Check in with us next week. We're going to be uh, kicking off a new study. We're excited about this new study. And remember, as we talked about at the beginning, we split up our series into not three consecutive months, but three separate months. So we're going to kick off a separate study, and then we're going to come back to the next set of four minor prophets. So stay tuned with us. we got a lot of great things in store in these Bible studies. But, Corey, would you take us before the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing? 
over this Bible study that somebody's heart was touched and that God would meet their needs tonight. Whether, whether they have to do with this study or not, that God would minister into this special prayer request that we had that before we began this study tonight. Brother Corey. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Master, Lord, for this, this opportunity to come together, oh Lord, to, to delve into your word, Lord, to, to discuss it, Lord, and to revel in it, dear Jesus. Pray, oh Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would reach out your hand this night, Lord, that you would rest it upon all those, Lord, that, that need you this night, oh Lord. Lord, this special request that's come in, Lord, and those that we know not of, Lord, pray that you would move, oh Lord, that you would move in hearts and minds and bodies, Lord, that you would heal, Lord, that you would mend relationships, Lord, that you would work, Lord, in ways that only you can, Lord, and that only you would, dear Jesus. And we just thank you, O oh Lord, for that great power and your great love for all of your people this night. Pray, dear Jesus, a special blessing, Lord, upon our shepherd and his family, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you would gather your children, Lord, back into your house, O Lord, at the next point in time, dear Jesus. We just pray that thy perfect will might be done in and amongst your people. In your most precious and holy name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Have a good night. Thank you.